0: Evie, what were you up to in 1995?
1: Well, I was in Year 5, so that would have made me 12-ish or something. 10? Ten. Ten? Ten. Yeah,
0: because oh. I was about 12.
1: So I think I like hung around and rode my bike around the beach and the suburb that I lived in. And
0: Yeah, well, a group of lads from <laughs> a small New South Wales town of Lismore shot into the Australian rock music scene with their track Sickfest, taking out the 1995 Triple J Unearthed Competition. The band went on to release their debut EP, known as The Green Album, which contained belters like this. <laughs> Fast forward after 13 ARIA nominations, five platinum records, including the two-time platinum album *Guide to Better Living*, the lads are back together to kick off their Chemical Hearts 2019 tour. That band is, of course, Grinspoon We've got guitarist Pat Davin. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking back, how does it feel to uh, you know go back and have a bit of a, a think about those early days in the mid to late 90s, and obviously coming out of Lismore and the you know the breakthrough success for the band?
2: Um, been good. I mean, we had the opportunity with this tour to kind of look at our whole entire catalogue. Um, obviously, the last time we went out, last time we were in Perth, we were on the Guide to Better Living Tour, where we kind of just played that record. On the, It was the 20th anniversary of that record. And, and uh, But this time, I guess we get to look at our whole career as a bit of a retrospective and get to pick and choose different songs and stuff. And it's been great. I mean, we've been rehearsing for the last five days. Uh, last night was kind of our last night of rehearsals and, and it's been a lot of fun Some songs made the cut and some didn't some, some some stuff you don't want to look back on And some stuff you do
1: So, yeah, it's been great I want to ask you a little bit about the name Grinspoon And its reference to the Harvard professor Who was an advocate for the use of medicinal mar- marijuana Now in 2019 Is this something that you guys still agree with Now that, you know, further oh evidence God. has come to light?
2: How far ahead of our time yeah. were we? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you really like 20, were. You 20, 20 more. That was 1995. It was 20, I got 24 years ago that we yep. were advocating the legalisation
1: of marijuana Absolutely. for medical use. Oh my God! You, know,
0: really? you should have called <laughs> yourself Nostradamus. Yeah, I know geniuses that
1: ahead of
2: their time was wrong. I know. We're a little bit older now, but I still think the philosophies are probably pretty relevant, and it definitely needs more investigation.
1: Still, yeah, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, Pat. And also on your website, Pat, you mentioned that making Guide to Better Living was one of the strangest and most exciting times of your life. Yes.
2: <laughs> Can you
1: tell me a bit about it?
2: Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty heady days. You know, we come from Lithmore in '95. We've been unearthed by a radio station, obviously, and uh, we spent a lot of time on the road, a lot of time touring. We did a couple of EPs. Our second EP got picked up by Universal Records, which is when we kind of got signed to a major. It was MTA back then, and I think getting uh, into a studio to actually record our first record was just maybe an experience that we didn't actually think may ever happen in a lot of ways. And so it was strange in in that way that we're actually doing it. But it was exciting because it was all kind of uncharted territory, you know. We kind of built up a bit of a following over the kind of the three, three and a half years that we've been going before we kind of released that record. And and yeah, I mean when that record released I the history kind of tells you that it was really successful for us and it kind of forged the path of where we are today. Really it was the beginning of our career and, and yeah, we uh, you know, obviously it was um yeah, it was amazing time in our
0: 2002, you kind of changed your sound a little bit with the new Detention album. Was that a conscious decision, or was it just a bit more of a sign of the, the band's evolution?
2: It was definitely wasn't a conscious decision. Um, I think, it, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It was definitely a sign of the band's evolution. I mean, with a song like Chemical Heart, uh, we, and, you know, I mean, there were five or maybe possibly six singles off that record. We were just in a pretty sweet spot. Um, Chemical Heart itself, we didn't think was such a great song, but our manager, well, our manager today, was like, this is a great song you need to release. This as a single. You know, I think it's a really important song for you guys. I think it's going to, you know, maybe help you cross over into more mainstream radio, and inverted commas, and lo and behold, he was right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> to answer your question, it was definitely, it was pretty organic, really. It was just something that we felt we were doing at the time, you know? It was just one of those songs and that album full of songs that we'd all kind of put together that I guess changed our sound a little bit.
1: Loads of festivals, your fall festivals, Homebake, Splendor in the Grass, and seven big day outs. What's your vibe on today's music festivals?
2: Wow, we don't get asked to play them very often, so it's hard to really say. You know, Splendor in the Grass is obviously still going. I mean, we were—I think we played the first four Splendor in the Grasses in a row when they were still at the Longueuil fields and the Centre of Byron. I mean, it's a great way for young people to see music, it's a great way for older people to see music as well. Um, you know, the best thing about festivals is you, you get to pretty much put all your going out for the year into, into one day, you know what I mean? Yeah. And hopefully they keep going. I mean, it was obviously a shame with the demise of the big day out, but um, hopefully something else will spring up to take its place, you know? And obviously there are still like laneway and there's, there's loads of traveling festivals around. There was definitely something special about The Big Day Out because, you know, it had that history with, you know, Nirvana and the fans fans and that very first concert mm-hmm. and stuff. Yep. And there was something really special about it. And they were definitely a pioneer in this country. But I think there's a lot of people out there who are continuing to, to, to do really good festivals and I think it's pretty healthy music.
0: For that kind of process, it's you guys writing the songs and many of them were co-written by obviously yourself and Phil Jamison and Joe Hanson but was there a particular process followed uh, by you guys that you think that got you to where you uh, ended up being success?
2: Uh, Not really. I mean, we used to write a lot. You know what I mean? Back back in those days we would have a lot, you know, we were were full-time Grinsberg back then. You know, that was no families, no... You know n- none of that kind of stuff you know and we were really focused on on being the best band that we possibly could not that we're not now but uh, obviously when you you know during that time that was really a, you know our peak focus was on the band and you know when we go when the record company would come to us or we'd say we re- we want to do another record uh, we would have a lot of material to choose from and I think it's one of those things when you write songs you know you write some bad ones and you write some good ones mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. as long as, as long as you're still kind of yeah, you I know, love that honesty. The good ones will come out and they'll always come to the forefront. And I think, you know, in those days, and you know, hopefully during our whole career, we've, we've managed to kind of keep that same, you know, level of commitment when it comes to songwriting and trying to write good songs.
1: And it, it certainly did you justice, though, because you've had 13 ARIA nominations, two wins. Like, what does it feel like to receive that sort of recognition from your fans? Um
2: Well, you know, it was amazing. I mean, you know, it's great. You obviously don't do it for that kind of stuff, but obviously the kind of the pats on the back that you get along the way kind of inspire you to keep going and that's what those kind of things did I mean we got illuminated for a lot of hours before we yeah. won any. that's for sure but um, I think it made it all the much more sweet when when our time came you know
1: yeah absolutely now you went from rock to a children's book in 2015 tell I us a, tell us a little bit about Alexander the Elephant in the Zanzibar
2: Uh, That was just something that I decided to do, you know, like I was working with a guy who I still work with now. He's um, an artist and also an an illustrator and a writer and stuff. And I had all these songs. I didn't actually like to have a book. I had all these kind of children's songs that I'd written. I just had a daughter and it was something that I was just doing for fun more than anything else. And then I took those songs to the ABC and, they oh, were like great, we'll release it one year into a book and it happened really organically and it was a fun thing to do. I love um, that, yeah. Yeah, hopefully one day I'll get to do part two, you know what I mean? a time event or the inspiration strikes. But yeah, that was a great that was a great fun project. And it was good to, to start something and finish something and kind of get it out there.
1: And when you read Alexander the Elephant and Zanzibar, do you do all the voices?
2: Uh, no, I don't all the voices. Pretty, <laughs> when you're reading
1: pretty, the book, though, you get really into it and do all the voices. Uh,
2: you know, what? I, maybe I do. I definitely voice other books that I read to my kids, that's for sure. Good, I love that.
0: You must be pretty excited to not only be playing to kind of older fans, but potentially to a new audience as well.
2: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, we're, we're, that's what happens with Grinspoon, you know what I mean? We definitely, we, we cover a lot of ground when it comes to the demographic of people that come to our audience, you know, but there'll definitely be people who may not have even seen this before, but there'll be people at the shows that have seen us 20 times.
0: Pat Davin from Grinspoon, thank you very much thank for your time you this morning. Thank
1: you very much. No worries, thanks for your time guys.